welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we subject ourselves to every MCU film, one Marvel Studio film a week, until we reach the blatant grab for cash that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Christoph, and I'm going to be the host this week as we look at Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and as always, joining me is this week's co-host, Billy. Hello. Hey. What's going on, man? I am jonesing to talk about... Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. I friggin' loved it. Me, look, again I've, and again. I've said before that this is my favourite Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Yeah. And it continues to be so. Um, look, I'm thinking before we get started, I'm gonna... I think broach something that everyone wants to know about, which is the ant situation in my house. Yes. <laughs> How is that Your face going? just sank. So... I could, not last week's episode, but the episode before, I mentioned my laptop was riddled with ants. It's gotten worse. Today there were, and this is not a euphemism, ants in my rug. So I have a large rug. Well, we this worked is not out, sounding, but this is not sounding we better. We worked out it was your jacking off laptop. So are you jacking into the rug? Are you jizzing into the rug? Maybe that's the issue. Clearly, my my semen cleanup game isn't as good as I thought it was. Hi, welcome to, to Infinity War and Beyond. The podcast where we talk about where my semen is in my house. Um, oh yeah, so uh, you you clearly enjoyed Cap too, as did I. Yes, I did. The Winter Soldier. That's right. It's I noticed that the Iron Man franchise is, I believe, the only MCU films that have the that have the um the numbering. The rest just have a different title. Well, there's Guardians of the Galaxy, but they do it. Oh, that's true. They do it differently. Volume one, volume two. It's kind of cool. I feel like volume. I feel like they did that more to fit in with the tape thing rather than yes, simply for numbering it uh, for numbering uh, for the sake of numbering alone. I feel like they would have done that regardless, just because okay. it works with the sort of theme and we'll feel. Have to see with Spider Man if it's called Spider Man Homecoming too. <laughs> the Spider Man coming. Coming. Which is what happened on my rug, apparently. Yes. There we go. We're full circle. Cha-ching! Um, look, before we get into it, Billy, just for listeners at home, what is what is your relationship with the Marvel films? Would you call yourself a super fan by any chance? I'm, I'm leading you into, into this. I like that you just did a... Like you were about to jet off Superman-wise. Um, <laughs> like fly off. Yes, fly off. Um, no, I really enjoy the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I will at some point, if a film is bad, I will say it's bad, as per our previous episode, which was talking about Thor Ragnarok and... No, no Thor Dark Sorry, World. Thor Ragnarok Dark World. Sorry, Thor, not Thor Ragnarok, Thor Dark World, and also the Hulk film. Um, yeah, both of which are not good. Um, whereas, look, I'm usually the grumpier of the two of us. I have a fairly complicated relationship with these films. Where they touched him. <laughs> in his heart I had look I had way. to go before a judge and there was a doll and everything um but no look I'm pretty burnt out on them that said I'm a fucking hypocrite and I usually see them first week of release so I'm usually the grumpier of the two of us yes you are the Statler and Waldorf and I am the Kermit and Miss Piggy or you know <laughs> really you are the David and I am the Margaret of but the... that's a, a niche Australian television reference there. Yes, yes. How long have they been off air for now? I feel like it's a while. Like five years? F- I feel like it's a while as well. Mm. It's sad. All right, look, amazing together. Look, let's, let's go to the trailer, shall we? For Captain yes. America, The Winter Soldier. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. 
ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. He's a ghost. You'll never find him. They join S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect people. Captain, to build a better world, sometimes means tearing the old one down. And that makes enemies. step people are gonna die I can't let that happen Captain America needs my help when do we start we just did the price of freedom is high it's a price I'm willing to pay. He told me not to trust anyone. This is how it ends. Everything goes. Looks like you're giving the orders now, Captain. Damn right. guys from the bad guys if they're shooting at you they're bad guys you're back listening to to infinity war and beyond all right billy we're going to jump into a segment now called context others where we talk movie stats and kind of give uh i guess people a little bit of an idea of what the world was like when this film came out so it came out in 2014 who was it directed by billy uh it was directed by the russo brothers anthony and joe russo who of course uh directed the the action the beloved film you me and dupree Yes. Who 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 was watching that film? I I watched and, it once, but I had to work at the cinema for it. So you you didn't? Would you say you didn't see it out of choice, or you wouldn't have paid no, money I didn't to see it? Out of choice. Mm. Um, but who who do you think saw that film and was like, we need to get these guys on Captain America? People. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The, I think it was more for their TV work, which is um, they worked on Arrested Development. Community and happy endings. I know. Again, like I'm sure, like Arrested Development's a quality show, but it doesn't seem like the sort of chops for a huge action film. Apparently, it was their work on the season two Community um, episodes where it was like the season ending, where they did like the 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 painful stuff. Yeah. okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, the genre bending. Even so, it just seemed like a bit of a push. Yeah, yeah. Especially because. Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier handles action so damn well that it feels there's more action in it than like so much CGI, freaking action, like CGI action. There's like more like traditional type stunt action as opposed to CGI stuff, and it's all directed so well 
and I know there's there's plenty of um, more established direct or more well known sort of film directors who who still make mistakes with action. So it's amazing to me that these guys sort of don't have the biggest like action, don't have an action movie background at all, mm. um, and come into this film and absolutely nail it. I wonder. Yeah, and they were also behind Cap Civil War, and of are currently doing Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers Four. Well, that's a, a good point. That this film was the uh, triumphant introduction of the Russo brothers to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and they pretty much picked up the slack from Whedon in terms of directing a lot of films. And I kind of feel like they're pushing. They're sort of the universe architects now, along with Feige. Yes, they are. Um, now, All the right. screenplay was by. We mentioned them in the previous episode. Um, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. <laughs> McFeely. You, you love that name. Um, because they've written the, the story for the three Cap films, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers 4. And they also created Agent Carter. So they're fairly... Uh, pretty in the Cap world. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like they're pretty familiar with Cap's corner of, of the world. Um, it's another one of Christoph's famous uh, tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in regards to McFeely, a mate of mine used to work at a job, and there was someone at the job called Andrew Wanky. Now, Mr. Wanky would be uh, called over the speakers quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it'd be like, Andrew, uh, Andrew Wanky, please come to the desk. Andrew Wanky, please come to the desk. Anyway, my friend thought it was hilarious, but there was one problem. It was a very conservative religious workplace so no one else in the office found it funny or understood how it was funny so he could never laugh or like share with someone else the fact that this guy's last name was wanky wanky which sounds like my version of hell uh, what was the budget on that <laughs> i like how you just you just taken the steering wheel back on board because it wasn't that funny clearly clearly we have a very different a very different sense of humor which is sad given that we both came together over the come on the rug joke at the beginning and the I realised my phrasing re- was off. The reason I wanted to go to the budget is because there clearly wasn't any budget in your humour budget. <laughs> I feel like that was that was a very drawn out long drawn out burn, but I'll take it. Alright. Yeah, so what was the budget of this film, Billy? Uh, the budget was hundred and seventy seven million, which is a weird number. <laughs> um like, it's like not a round figure. So Again, just for comparison, Iron Man one was one hundred and fifty million. Thor mm. was a Thor two, sorry, I believe was one hundred and sixty. Yeah, and the cap, the first cap film was one hundred and forty million, and okay. the first cap film made three hundred and seventy million. This made, I believe, it made seven hundred and fifteen million. Whoa, yeah, that's a big jump. That's a lot. Like we talked about this episode, how Thor Ragnarok. Sorry, I keep saying it. It's because I enjoy that. It's because no one gives a shit about the Dark World and it shouldn't yeah. exist. Um, Thor Dark World and the first Thor, they we had similar budgets and had similar returns. So it, it's nice to see that Cap was such a monumental success. Well, it was a huge spike. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I. Can't remember if I said this the last episode, but I do believe that like Captain America Two is the best Marvel film. I feel like this was them peaking, and ever since they've sort of been plateauing. I don't think they have, but anyway, I, I feel like a lot of their films at this point they know the beats that they need to hit and what they need to do, and I think they they're starting to feel a tad formulaic. Okay, 
If you think that, that's fine. I, I feel like you put that in your like angry <clears throat> mum voice. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not angry. angry. I'm just disappointed <laughs> in your choices. It's clear that we've both heard this. Um, yeah, look, I really enjoyed the Winter Soldier, and I feel like the fact that so. Let's be honest. the The movie is based on like a lot of spy and political thrillers, um, but also it's based on the Winter Soldier arc by Ed Brubaker in Captain America, and that was such a beloved arc mm. that I feel like that probably drew a lot of people in for this film, and that's why it made such a lot of money. Um, in regards to, it's interesting you bring up the spy thriller stuff because I know. Ed Brubaker was influenced by, and his sort of favourite Cap Capron is the Jim Starenko stuff. Yes. Who Jim Starenko, I think he's, I don't know if you call it his breakout book, but a book he's really well known for was basically that he turned uh, Nick Fury from like a weird book no one cared to like a spy thriller that became quite popular. And so I believe in his cap run, he also dealt with that spy stuff as well. Yeah, and I think also um, one thing I read about the. Uh, from Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, that <laughs> when they were writing this, like, like so, in, in still, the, still not, still, uh, still funny, still in the, in the comics, yep. Cap woke up like ten or fifteen years later, and so like comics has been slowly like slightly rebooting ish. Well, we've been talking. I think in the first Cap, we mentioned that there's sort of this issue where he gets frozen in the forties. And then he wakes up in the present day. Yeah, so, so he's the missed... time becomes bigger and bigger and Cap is getting older and older. Yeah, so it's missed... Um, like, in the movies, he's missed all those monumental, like, political stuff that's gone down. Whereas in the comics, they, every time there was something happening in, like, politics in America, that sort of was written into the comics as well. Like, um, Reagan and all the, all the other stuff that's happening... <laughs> No, no, I'm trying. What a what a comprehensive. I'm not look. I'm not really well well versed on American politics, Mm. but like you know, JFK being assassinated, like all sorts of. (laughs) Again, you just you've got look. We're at two things. That's all right. Berlin Wall is another example. Although I don't know if Cap. No, Cap would have been asleep for that. What I thought they brought him back in the seventies. Um, oh, sorry. I'm thinking of the Bell and Wall coming down. Oh, okay. Because yeah, yeah. when I think of the Bell and Wall, I think yeah. of David Hasselhoff. Also, as I'm sure like communism, does. all sorts of stuff. Um, <laughs> stop being a shit to me. That's mean. That's literally my job on this podcast. You're a dickhead. But, you know, like, okay. So, like, <laughs> okay, let's get back Basically, to Basically, this comic's been written about Cap over the years with changing culture. Whereas in the movies, he's had about, like, fuck, what, 70 years worth? Wait, if he went down in the 40s... Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, if he went it's down in the 40s... It's about 70 years. So he's, he's working yeah. up 70 years later. So, like, of course to him... Like, when he went down asleep, like, you know, there was dealing with Nazis and, you know, um, trying to figure out who's who, like, in, during World War Two type thing. Waking up now, of mm. course, like, all this new, strange new things. Of course totally. you're going to think... Conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Well, and when you when you think about how the world was in the nineteen forties, all these Nazis running around, and today, when we obviously don't have any Nazis running around, how crazy would that be? It's it's just a different world. Yeah. Your face right now. You just. I've hit my stride, and Billy is just. <laughs> not not handling all my. Ultra. <clears throat> you, I think this is like the fourth episode that we've brought up the alt right. 
which is... We're not members of them. Um, I feel like my life was a lot better before like I had to know what the alt right was. So um, so the two writers, basically, they're based on... Well, funnily enough, um, there was a film that Robert Redford was in called uh, Three Days of the Condor. Okay. Um, now, what it was, he used to work for the CIA, and like he worked in this um, library. Uh, it was like a safe house type thing. And him and his team would go over like stories and stuff like that to break codes and stuff. He found one, he submitted it to his superiors, and um, the next day he went to go get lunch, came back, and his entire team has been assassinated. So it's like that, it's a little bit of that here, like that whole, you know, not realizing who you work for, like finding yeah. something out. Like, I did like that. Except that, and like, I guess we can talk about more in pickups, but I think because these films are part of a franchise, you do know who you can trust. It's the characters that are going to be in the next films. So you know that he's going to be able to trust Black Widow. You know that the new character, what's his name, Pierce, that they brought into this film, the, is going to be the bad guy. It's like about it, the journey, Crystal. Yes. You learnt about that in year 12, did you not? Journey? That's a really... That's such a specific throwback to Australian high school curriculum. Also, no, I didn't get Journeys. I got Belonging. I got Journey. So, but I, I did know that Journey was um, was the one of the like the year before. Um, yeah. You brought this up before, Billy. This idea that that and I don't really agree with this idea, but I get why people people feel this way. Uh, that every Marvel film is a superhero film and then a genre film. I f- look. I feel that they do try that. I felt like this one, like a lot of like my dad. And my mum loved... Like, they went to this because they... they loved, I mean, it's a comic film, book film. They'll go watch it with me. But they like... That's nice. They like Robert Redford um, mm-hmm. as an actor. And okay. so, I mean... Who he plays... Um, What's it? Uh, director... Is it Director Pierce? Yes, Alexander Pierce. Alexander Pierce. I can't remember um, his name. And he's like the big head honcho of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of. Mm. Who, for some reason, we only find about out in this film. I wonder why. Maybe it's it was because like a... he's a bad guy. No, because it was a recent thing. Oh, actually, no, you're right. That's yes. my bad. They do genuinely talk, uh, bring up the fact that Avengers, after Avengers, they wanted more oversight in S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, like, my parents liked it because they, they like political, like, conspiracy so, type thriller mm. films as well, like Tinker Tailor, Tinker Soldier Spy type thing, mm. um, and they liked it for that as well. And I mean, Ant Man is a heist film, so I don't it necessarily. Is. It is. I it feel is like okay. I feel like when there are uh, like the second genre genre that they work into these films, I feel like a lot of time it's half assed, like. And Ant Man has heist elements, but it's not that's, a heist film. It's because you're grumpy. It's a superhero film. Yeah, but it's a heist film as well. It's because you're grumpy. Calm down. I just calm down. Get, <sighs> off, get off your pedestal. The Italian job. That was a heist film. Where were the Mini Coopers in Ant Man? That's what I wanted. They know. were small, and you couldn't. Oh, see the them. Mini Mini Coopers. Yes, there mini we mini go. Coopers. Thank you. Um, I feel like we walked into that joke together. Yes. All right, guys. Now we're going to jump into pickups. Uh, pickups is when we talk about. Uh, things that we've picked up in the film, as the name suggests, a lot of the time these are things that we've gotten from having an that we've specifically picked up from this viewing. Um, which for I mean, how many times have you seen this film now, Billy? Because it's probably my fifth Ooh, time. Yeah, 
So this bit will be up there. So yeah. at this point, we're pretty familiar with these films, which means that we... I know uh, I saw it at least three times when it first came whoa, out. Whoa, I think I saw it... I think I only saw it once in the cinema, but I just watched it a lot on Netflix when it was on Netflix for a brief time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just watching it uh, since then. But yeah, so we're going to jump into pickups. Um, now, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Usually, we'll have some notes we've written down about different sort of elements uh, of the film we want to discuss, but as we did with Avengers, because this film's quite ca- is very much a character-driven film and there are a lot of different characters in here, we thought we would go from character to character talking about their arc and their journey in this film. So let's start with Cap. Yeah, Captain America. Uh, he got a, whoa, massive muscle boost for this film. He, yeah, he did look bigger, didn't he? You know what? How good was... Um, was, was was uh, Captain America when he was just in like the, the white shirt and jacket yeah you can't see me right now but the basement is flooded as, as I call him Billy casual America really yeah it's funny because you look more disgusted than when I when I made like the white when we made wanking jokes earlier about that pun casual America but he looked like I, I really like when he's like in glasses and the hat mm. and like the jacket like he's an undercover nerd it does like Chris it, Evan feels like a big nerd, who's like got bald and it's like still like no because like okay like a lot of people like when they lose lots of weight or put on gum weight mm. they still don't know like their body size so it's like kind of shut. He Cap seems like Chris Evan's portrayal as Cap. He still has that shyness about him, which I do like. I wonder if part of it as well might be something to do with the fact that they beef up for these roles really quickly, so he might not be used to being like genuinely might not be used to being that. That, no, that huge. Uh, yeah, no, he's. Um, I feel like this is the first time they're really pushing like the fact that that Captain America is some sweet eye candy and having him in lots of different outfits. Oh yeah, well, his outfit for the, his sorry his work gear for this was mm. the um, a different um, look. It was the um, felt very tactical and yeah, and I mean even his shield is a little bit tinted to be tactical it's sort of muted right like a yeah. darker tones the costume he wears is similar to the in the so in the comics there was an era where Bucky was cap yeah um, which and, was again in the uh, Ed Brubaker run. run and so and Captain America was like Steve Rogers was sort of like head of shield and he's had his own like secret covert um, is it Secret Avengers? Or? Yeah, Secret Avengers. And that was the, this is the outfit that he wore in that. And it, I really enjoy this outfit. Something I wanted to quickly ask you, Billy, because I remember when I saw this movie for the first time, I, uh, I'm i a huge Cap fan, but I genuinely wanted Cap to die at the end because I felt that would have been like a fitting end for Steve Rogers' Cap in this universe. And I really would like, really hope that they explore Bucky as Cap in this universe. Nope, you didn't want him to die? No, I wanted more Cap. Do you do you want do you want him to die at some point in the cinematic universe and Sebastian Stan no, to take no, up the mantle? Not die, but I don't know. Be maybe. out of action. Yeah, maybe. It'd be kind of cool to see Bucky Cap. I, because I, I, do you like the idea of Captain America as a mantle? I I like it because it comes with so much weight. I do because like I really enjoyed the run of the Falcon in the comics as Captain America. Um, uh, Rick Remond and stuff, or the more recent Nick Spencer stuff. Both. Okay. Yeah. I haven't actually read any of either. I need to. I have got burnt out pretty quickly Even, on Rick Remond. I really enjoyed, cat. like, um, yeah, I know, but I really enjoyed um, 
the Falcon as Cap in um, when it was Avengers as well. Like I'm not can't remember who wrote Avengers. Oh, but the Avengers book, and then he's yeah, okay, he's um Cap in that. You know, I feel like the mantle of Captain America has so much weight. So unlike a lot of other mantles, you kind of feel like the character who takes on the mantle has to make it their own, but they also have to stand, sort of stay within Steve's really black and white ideals because mm. it's so linked to the mantle of Captain America. One thing I um, discussed with Christoph off air listeners is that, so like at the end of Avengers, like you see everyone goes home, like Tony goes to Pepper. Um, Bruce Banner hangs out with Tony type thing. Yeah, as teased in the, uh, at the end of Iron Man 3. Yeah, but like Cap has no one. At the end of this film. Well, he has, he has a truth, justice, and the American way. That too. But, but yeah, I, he's used to like like army, uh, like war. Army conditions. Army conditions. So he's essentially working for S.H.I.E.L.D. because that's all he knows. And they touch on that in this film. I, like Black Widow is his only friend and Nick Fury is too, if you would call that friends. They touch on the soldier stuff this film. And it reminded me, they did this in The Punisher as well, where the only sort of people that uh, like Cap can sort of qu- quickly relate to warms to are army people. Mm-hmm. So like he gets along really well with Sam, and they relate, it. He, they relate uh, Captain America's being out of time to a soldier coming home from the war and trying to re- adapt to civilian life. Yeah. And I think I thought that was a really clever, <clears throat> a clever pair-up and the way they sort of angled that. And I think it also really helped ground the character and make this... The fact that he's been frozen for, you know, 70-odd years less science fiction and make it feel more more relatable. I do also like that they've modernised Cap a bit. Like, so... Cap well, he swears now. Yeah, but Cap also fights more in this. Um, and you can see it's not just punches or anything. It's like... He does looked at his head. He's had actual shield training. Like kickboxing, karate type thing, and I mean, he even uses the shield more as an offensive device as opposed mm. to def- defensive. And they really show off his um sort of fighting skills level up in the fight with Batroc, the, the, the leaper, yeah, who just goes uh, by Batroc in the film because it's a bit. I mean, like Batroc the leaper, and his original costume's a bit over the top, so I'm oh, glad they toned it down. I, I do like that they made a reference to that costume though. Yeah, we, I love Batroc the leaper. Leap, he leaps. But I, basically, he's this sort of... French pirate? He's this French buff dude that... Really narrowing it down. Like, essentially jumps around. He's like the same build as Cap, but jumps around. He has a very sort of specific, very... Like he's a mercenary type thing. Uh, so, you know, the, near the beginning of the film, the first like fight of the film is Batroc and his crew of French pirates, or as yeah. French would call them, the pirates, yeah. um, have taken over a shield ship. And there's like a bit with subtitles as like the French pirates are talking to each other and they're meant to be like really intimidating and stern, but God, the French accent is possibly the least intimidating Can accent. Can I just say, the bit where Bat- Batroc talks to Cap in French. And then Cap responds in French. Oh my God. So good. Well, oh, did he just like... Oh, fuck, that was good. I feel, oh, I feel like I just saw like a side of you that I'm not 100% comfortable with. This You've seen it before. Perhaps I'm too comfortable. <clears throat> that's that's really what this is about. Yeah, no, I loved... I like how that little sort of throwback and reminder that Cap, like, was in World War Two and, yeah. like, was in Europe and sort of has a bit more... was in France. Mm. 
I always like that Captain America is a, was a, because of his involvement in World War Two had a bit more of a global perspective. Yeah. Ironically, depends on the person writing the. Very, well. very, very true. Well, I feel like in this film, he's very always bigger picture. Like, when you just mentioned that, it made me think of the Ultimates run where. That's Mark Miller though. With Mark Miller writing. Do you think this A stands for Europe? It's oh like, God! Oh no! Um, <laughs> um, so what did you think of Cap's character arc in this film? Because he's put under a lot of pressure. Yeah, like I feel. I feel like by the end of it, he's had a win. Like he's finally defeated Shield. Um, <laughs> his Shield. Uh, Hydra. Hydra. Um, yeah, I I like the fact that they sort of brought up an enemy that he thought he'd, he'd defeated. And that, no, he not only has he not defeated them, but they've become infinitely more stronger than they were previously. And he sort of has to deal with his failure. And also, I feel like he's, like, you know, bringing home that you can trust people. You, you, you like... Like those ideals back then in the forties of being able to trust your neighbor type thing, he's brought that home, and I think like for that's a big theme in this movie: this black and white morals versus the shade of grey. And view. I feel like you see people try uh, are like actually accepting his morals and sort of taking them on themselves. Well, a bit like by the end of it, mm. Black Widow and Nick Fury, at least. Yeah, and that's in Avengers. We talked about this: the fact that because Cap. Cap's one key character flaw was the fact that he was weak as shit. That was solved as soon as he had the superhero serum. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of these films, it's not so you feel like Cap doesn't really have to change as a character. It's the world around him that's wrong and needs to be fixed. And in this film, instead of he starts off with a sort of very black and white view of the world, or not of the world, but morally, he's very it's either right or wrong. Um, and at the end of the film, he sort of doubles down on that and says, no, we don't just get rid of Hydra and leave S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s bad. It all goes down. Yeah. So I find it interesting that he didn't change. He just, he's like, no, actually, I was right and my moral code continues to be appropriate and correct. Well, speaking of change, um, I mean, Cap is not from this time. There's this kind of cute scene where he's talking to Sam Wilson and he's writing down a list of like music that Sam's given him to um, to listen to. to. To yeah, listen to and check out. And you see a list of things that um, Cap's been given and told to check out. Yeah, the I think the list is called like things to catch up on or things I've missed. Yeah. Funnily enough, depending on where the film is released, that scene is different. Like there's mm. different like in Korea um, it's got, I think it's got like, um, like Korean references, like to dire- director, um, Chen Wook Park's like old boy, um, like a Korean footballer. Um, in America, it's got like Steve Jobs, Apple, Moon Landing, stuff like that. So apparently, what, apparently you mentioned there was yeah, one for Australia, Australia there was well. like Skippy the Bush Kangaroo is one I remember, which felt like a weird pull. Yeah, that's very weird. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I'm, I can't remember. None of the other ones really stuck with me, but for some reason, a Skippy the Bush Kangaroo did. Which is, is that what they think of Australians, that we still talk about and watch Skippy the Bush Kangaroo? <laughs> What's that, Skippy? Trouble at the old mine. Ah. So, like, 
On to Sam. What did you think Cam of... Wilson. Yeah, played by Anthony Mackie. What did you think of the Falcon? I think his... Uh, the depiction of the Falcon in this film just is so much better than the others. I like him as a retired soldier coming back into the game because he trusts Cap. I liked his depiction in the second chapter as well, Civil War. I just felt like he was just full superhero at that point, and he just sort of became a different war machine. I liked him in Ant Man. That was that cameo in Ant Man was great. I you did, like was it? It's been a while since I've seen the well, Ant Man. You'll see it. Yeah, of course. In yes. a couple of weeks, we'll be watching that again. Um, yeah, I liked. I've always enjoyed. Um, Sam Wilson, but like I've, I think I've enjoyed his modern stuff more than his older stuff. But the other thing is, I think I don't think. When he's, was he created in, uh, in the comic book? Uh, I can't remember what year, but I remember like he was created as sort of like a foil for Captain America because okay. I know like the Red Skull gave him the powers that he had, which was so in the comics he's able to see through his pet. Falcon. Yes. Red Wing. Uh, Red Wing. Who, in the second Avengers movie, Anthony Mackie has a drone called Red Wing. Yeah. And so, like... Not that, sorry, not that. The Falcon. It wasn't just Anthony brought, yeah. brought a drone on set. Um, yeah. And so, like, he's able to see through the sight of the bird. Um, that's what that's his superpower, essentially. Um, and I think the Red Skull gave him that in some weird storyline to get at Captain America. But ever since then, he's sort of been Captain America's teammate. But I don't think he had many, like, individual stories, as in, like, um, as in his own series type thing. I think it's only in, like, the modern era that he's had his own series. Has there been a Falcon series, or are you just referring to when he took up the mantle as Captain America? I think there's been some some Falcon series. I was wondering as well if... I know a lot of the the uh, black characters from Marvel were created as black exploitation, such as um, and, and Nisha yeah, Black Luke Cage um, is a great well, example of that. Yeah, it was where very... they like, got the afro and very over the top and very one dimensional. Well, even Rhodey was a bit like that as well, and um, I believe Samuels was a little bit like that as well. That's what I was wondering. Whereas a lot of the, over time, these characters have become like he nuanced had, and rich. Like he had, I think, like a green outfit, of orange, and he had like. Sort of like how, like a thick gold chain with, like I don't know wings or something like that. It was very like black exploitation ish, like trying to how Luke Cage was. Yeah, sort of very over the top. Yeah, um, yeah. So like in this film, uh, Anthony Mackie's character Sam Wilson the Falcon is a basically a soldier that's. That's come home and trying to adapt to civilian life. I really loved Anthony Mackie in this, and I love the films Anthony Mackie has been in as well. I really enjoy. I I feel like he was a bit toned, like subdued, and I liked that. Whereas humor in this is great as well, and in the second film, I feel like in the like the second film, and even in Ant Man, he just if I'm remembering it correctly, he just becomes a little bit too. Oh, like energetic and charismatic I mean like he's meant to be a soldier mm. so I feel like it would make sense he's a little bit more subdued and like a little bit drier and I, f- they, I feel like they hit that note perfectly in, in this film um, speaking of <clears throat> other partners of Cap um, do you want to talk about Black Widow? yes certainly uh, what did you think of the Black Widow? She finally has decent hair yeah a was better it, wig. It, oh, it was a better. It was a wig. Well, I'm assuming it's a wig. 
This is. <laughs> I don't think wig watch. Yeah, I don't think Scarlett Johansson dyed her dyes her hair for the films. I'm pretty sure of it. Like I'm pretty like I'm pretty sure I read that there. I like that that uh, Christopher Evans probably has to go on like a crazy diet and uh, and gym schedule, and she's just not up for dyeing her hair. Like okay, one thing I will talk about with Black Widow that I didn't notice until this movie. Like, we talked about other films, how there's the gratuitous butt shot. There's a little bit of that this time. There is one, like, there's one or two in this one, and I, th- I always thought that it wasn't the case. No, there is, unfortunately. And I was like, oh, like, okay, I get it, like, it's fine. Like, I mean, because it was gratuitous butt shots of Cap as well, and chest shots. I mean, even in Thor, uh, Dark World, there was the whole, I'm washing my arms, look at my nipples, of Thor. I don't remember that bit. Clearly, we had, we got different things from that film, Billy. Yes. But yeah, I don't know. It was just I noticed it this time around. I hadn't I noticed did too. It before. I I did too, and I think there was a side boob shot as well. They just like it. Just usually like when the camera lingers on a certain <laughs> angle a little bit too long, and you feel like you know what? It's hard for me to believe that this wasn't deliberately done to uh, to appease a certain outspoken demographic. Yeah. Um, look, I really enjoyed um, Black Widow in this. She she seems like more of a person yeah like more of her character is in this and she does seem like more of a secret agent in this than she was in the previous films which is what she is she's like a notorious spy secret Mm. secret agent assassin that defected from russia to america type thing like i think the the russo brothers well i I, a really good handle on her yeah and i think the thing i like about the depiction of her in this script is that she's just a person. Yeah. And, you know, she's just another character. Whereas a lot of the time... She keeps a lot of cards to her chest as well. Mm. But a lot of the time with female characters, and I think Whedon's very guilty of this, is male writers tend to make a big deal of the fact that the, the person's a woman. And I feel like... In There's a bit... that Tinkerbell um, sort of... Um, i trying to think of it. Like, it's very much like... Not protecting or white knighty, it's more like... Putting women on a pedestal as if they're different creatures almost. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> look, call me a feminist, but women are just humans. Yes. yes. Um, so, uh, I feel like in Avengers, sort of, Blackwood is very like, I'm sexy, but I'm in control. Surprise, because I'm a... You wouldn't expect it, because I'm a woman. Whereas here, like, she's just a... She's just like... She's just another secret agent. Yeah, shield. hanging out with Cap. Mm. And, I mean... And I really enjoyed... I like the fact that there's a bit in the film where they have to kiss to keep their cover so they don't get spotted by S.H.I.E.L.D. And then and she gives him shit for it later. Yeah, like, I like the Is fact... Is this your first kiss from the 40s? Was it that Oh, since the 40s, yeah. And I like the fact that it, um... Like... That it didn't feel... Like, it felt relevant to the story, not just, ooh, let's make <clears> these two hot people kiss, because well, we can. Speaking of that, like, I like how there's a running joke throughout the entire film... About her oh, trying to get right, setting up on a date. Yeah, setting Cap on a date. I, I, I love that. There's a joke running throughout the entire film. Scarlett Johansson sells it really well. It never feels like, like a joke. It just feels like she just like Black Widow just can't drop this. The fact yeah, that like she literally kicks Jasper Sitwell off the roof, and she's like, "What about Thingo from accounting?" Side note, I hate Jasper Sitwell. He's an annoying character. Oh my god, I, I'm so glad he dies in this I hate. I hate how it's like a Mean Girls want to stop trying to make... Uh, is it Pink happen? 
Yeah. Like, See, I'm trying I'm... to make. It, I feel like the Marvel movies tried to force like Jasper Sitwell as another supporting Shield cast. No, I feel like he was shit. always going to be like a shitty one because like just terrible. You could always see like also Phil Coulson giving him shit. I feel like. Oh, well, if you're bullied by Coulson, then clearly you're bottom of the food chain. Hey, do not knock Phil Coulson. <laughs> He's oh, you and your agent. You and your agents of Shield crap, Billy. Eat a dick. Anyway. Wow. No. No pulling punches tonight. Speaking of Shield, all right. Do we uh, want to do we want to talk about Nick Fury? Yes, let's talk about Nick Fury. Um, I don't think it's worth talking about it separately, but this film did Maria Hill justice, in my opinion. I would have been nice to see more of her. Oh but... yeah, Colby Smulders. I'm, yeah, I love her and I love her depiction of Maria Hill. Colby Smulders always sound like I know it's a real person, but it always sounds like a fake name. Yeah, it it sounds like one of those fake um, like a Hollywood. name generator. Hollywood names that people say like it's not their real birth name, like James Dazzles or I'm 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 out of other fake names. Xavier Rudd or something. Yeah, is that a real one? I don't know. I made up James Dazzles. That's not a real actor, as far as we know. Nice. Um, No, look, I think she's really great. She's like the whole pushing that she's like uh, Nick Fury's right hand type. It was great. Yeah, and the fact that the like. She's the only other person Nick Fury can trust apart from Cap. Yeah. And I mean, they have that in the comics as well. Like, Nick Fury says, look, I trust you because, like, you pull me up on my shit. Mm. Sort of like a mutual respect, and that sort of yeah. shone through in this film. Whereas in Avengers, you just feel like she's his subordinate. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Nick... I think the bigger thing in this film that happens is... Nick Fury does grow a bit in this film. Does he? Like, by the end of it. And then he's pretty much steps down from his role in the universe. Like, from Director of S.H.I.E.L.D., because obviously well, S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, is no see, longer in this yeah, film. Yeah, you see him grab some passports and stuff, because I think he's heading to Europe to take on, like, remnants of Hydra. Okay. And doesn't it have... I believe this mirrors the comics at a certain, in one of the story arcs where Nick Fury is... Why big things are happening in the Marvel Universe and Nick Fury is essentially underground. In fact, I think that was during Civil War. Murray yeah. Hill's Director of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, and like Fury warns her to watch her back, and he goes and does like looks after stuff. Yeah, he, he just goes underground. Uh, so I, it's interesting that they've sort of moved at the end of this film. They're moving to that phase where Nick Fury is going underground, and I wonder if it's story driven or has to do with Sam Jackson's contracts. No, no, no he's contracted for a lot of films. So okay, so clearly this is story driven. Yeah, it's just story driven. Okay. Um, so how do you think he grows? How do you think he develops in this film? Well, I mean... I mean, prior to Cap turning... I think it's what I mentioned, the whole, like, Cap's morals and stuff are sort of having an effect on everyone. And I feel like that happens to Nick Fury as well. He realises, you know... He has to, like, watch who he trusts, but he does start to... He does trust more people. Like, he trusts Cap. He trusts Black Widow. Yeah, I, he, I think he also figures out that killing people before they've committed a crime is wrong. Yes, that too. I mean, that, that's the big take-home. Like, I mean, I mean, he accepts... Like, he fully accepts what Cap says about, yeah, Bright Shield has to go down. Like, yeah, I guess it's for him, because Furious comes across as the ends justifies the means sort of thing. It's person. almost like an end of an era for him. Well, it's... it is, right? Because yeah. he's no longer... Well, sh- and there's no longer Shield, and he's no longer director of it. Yeah. He's just a... A dude with an eye patch. Yes. Walking the path. The righteous path. 
Well, so when does he next show up in the Marvel uh, universe? I think Avengers Age of Ultron. Okay, that's right. He appears at uh, Hawkeye's farm? Yes. I just like the idea that he just spends his time hanging around farms now and just happens to be at Hawkeye's farm to show up and give a pep talk. Yes. Nick Fury, lonely farm dweller. <laughs> um, I feel like... Are there any other... Ma- oh, there is a major character. Yes. The Winter of, Soldier. Yes, yeah, speaking of lonely, I'm so lonely, the Winter Soldier. Uh, who, of course, is Bucky Barnes. And yeah. I, I mean... Uh, okay... Did you read Brubaker's run before this film? Yes, I had. So how... You knew it was... You knew it was coming. But how did you feel towards it? Would you have liked to have not not read that book and gone in? No. I... Because I think... And this is what this movie does really well. Is you know the destination. What's interesting is how are they going to get there. So I feel like... So you're talking about the journey, Christoph. Fucking hell, Billy. <laughs> you um, belittled me before about that. And all right. then you bring you literally brought it up. Um, so what was I saying before you got me off track? Um Bucky. That's right. So I, I feel like most people can figure out pretty easily that it's Bucky, but mm-hmm. what's interesting isn't that it's Bucky, it's what's Steve gonna do now his best friend is in this movie. He's his main enemy. Yeah. So and that's it, what's interesting. So in the comics, in the Winter Soldier arc, essentially, um, we've talked about it on the previous episode. So at the end of near the end of World War Two, uh, Cap and Bucky um, go to uh, Baron Zemo, who is like sort of an uh, I guess mate, one of someone in Hitler's army. They've, got, they've gone to stop. His, I believe they're called Nazis. Yeah, Nazis. Hitler's oh, so, army. I, no, like I don't know. Yeah, like the German or army or something. Yeah, yeah. and so they've gone to stop uh, something that's happened. Now, what he's done, he sent like a bomb to go to America. Cap and Bucky try to stop it, but Cap falls off into the water, and that's how he gets frozen and then later revived. Whereas Bucky is still stuck to the bomb and blows up. Now, in the Winter Soldier, what happens is his arm gets blown off and he falls into the water as well and gets frozen. But he's found by a Russian submarine. And then they take him, add a cybernetic arm to him and reprogram him to be like a sleeper agent that they freeze and unfreeze for mission. Which, I like... It's different in this, in this film, though. In this film... Hydra. Yeah, in this film, it's experiments that were done... Uh, by Armin Zola in the first film, they continued in this film, mm. well, in the backstory for this film, after the war. And he's become, like, sort of an agent of Hydra. I find it... So, in... It's, like, a good modern... Like, I, I like that it's a good movie... Ta- it's a good movie take off that. Yeah, uh, something that a lot... Of, when these films were at their best, they streamlined a lot of the complex continuity from the comic books into... I feel like it streamlined it. ...into things really that well. are really easy to digest. I agree. And in, in this case, they did it really well. Some Sometimes when they streamline it, I feel like they lose the nuance. Mm. But in this case, no, it worked really well. Yeah. I don't know if you were aware of this, but in the scene near the end of the film where the Winter Soldier is getting reprogrammed and electric shocked. Um, one of the um, Ed Brubaker, Ed Brubaker, the writer of the Winter Soldier, is one of the um, hydra scientists. Yeah, hydra scientists are giving him shock treatment. Which I didn't pick it up when I originally saw the film, but ever since I like saw online that he's in it, it's pretty obvious. Like he gets a lot of screen time. Yeah, he doesn't say anything, but he he like help he uh, 
helps hold Bucky down and strap him to the machine. So he like he's a minor part rather than a cameo, I would yeah. say. Well, so, okay. Would you call uh, Pinky Carter a um, cameo? No. Or? Again, because it's you. So I reckon it's not a cameo when yeah. it plays a decent and a significant function in the. Uh, in the story, so with Peggy Carter, he talks to Peggy because he's feeling unsure about Shield and it, and the and insane really, carriers, and he wants to get moral balance again. Yeah, and you realise Peggy is like got some sort of Alzheimer's or something because she's oh, talking. That's right. She, yeah, she's talking to Cap, and then all of a sudden she's like coughing, and then she's like shocked. Oh my god, Cap, you're 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 alive. Oh, you you. Oh, that's right. I'm so old. Blah, blah, blah. You what? <laughs> I don't like Peggy. I didn't like the fact that it was Haley Atwell, like an old person mask. Well, I've seen footage. They what they did was they actually put like um, they got her like wearing a grey wig and some makeup. Did they digitally? And they digitally made her older. I think I would have preferred if they just got an older actress and just in the dialogue made it clear it was Peggy Carter. No, I mean I don't mind it because like in Ant Man you see her as an older woman as well, which is great. I just wonder if it would just be better to recast them. I don't look. I don't know. Um, and look, I'm glad Haley Atwell was in it. I think she's a great actress. On um, Peggy Carter. Yep. Um, her niece is in this film. Yeah, Sharon Carter, but she doesn't do much. No, she doesn't. Or um, she like she does a little bit. She's not. I would say sorry. She does do a bit, but she's not in the film very much. Yeah. Um. So, in the comics, Sharon Carter is like a, I believe, a niece. Of Peggy Carter, the Peggy Carter that was with hanging out with Cap in World War Two, um, and, and she, she looks a lot like Peggy, I believe. In that, like in the, I think Cap in one of the Cap comics already says something about thinking it was thinking it was Sharon Carter, uh, Peggy, Peggy Carter, Carter when he saw, when he saw Sharon, um, and I which mean, feels very comic booky. The fact that like relatives all look the same. Yeah, and I'm I mean her call sign in the comics is Agent Thirteen as well, which is kind of cool. So I like that they've brought that over to here. Oh, the, the Agent 13 stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, uh, I felt like a pretty... Like, I f- it's interesting in this film that I, you'd think that they'd set up the romantic tension with Sharon and Steve, but really they just sort of make a weird... Sort of focus on the relationship with um with him and Black Widow and even hint that there might be romantic stuff. Mm. But then at the end it makes it clear that they're just friends. On to Hydra. Um... What did you think of a couple of the villains in this? So we're talking Robert yeah, Redford. Yeah, a couple, hey. So there's Robert Redford. Yep. What did you think That's of him as Alexander Pierce? Pierce? I, I don't think the character of Alexander Pierce is particularly remarkable. I think I, Robert Redford did it well, but I, I think th- the character was pretty, pretty cardboard. Yeah, look, I think in the film, up until the part where the Winter Soldier is in his um, home... I actually didn't think... Oh, in Alexander Pierce's home. Alexander the Winter Soldier's home. Sorry. Um, the Winter Soldier's in Alexander Pierce's home. I didn't actually think he was dirty or anything. I I'm trying to remember if that's what I thought the first time I watched the film. It's quite possible, because the way they set up that scene when the Winter Soldier is in his house is he it's turns true. around and he's suddenly there, so you yeah. think he's going to kill him. Yeah. That's sort of the tension. Um, no, I, like, I really enjoyed Alexander Pierce. And I mean... I don't know, it was... Yeah, it was good. I, I'm... It's interesting that this film has a whole bunch of villains. There's obviously Alexander Pierce. 
Um, I wouldn't backdrop the villain kind of no, uh, the no. leaper, but not really. Um, um, the Winter Soldier and Zemo reappears as well. Not Zemo. Oh, no, Zemo. Armin Zola. So Zola <clears throat> so is exactly how his comic I was appearance about to say, is. I really I like that. That was such a great homage. The fact that he's on a computer screen and he's got the camera at the top. Yeah, so in the comic, something similar... The, something the similar originals happens. that Jack Kirby designed. He's like yeah, a, he's like, his body has failed him and he's basically... As our bodies will fail us all. Digit- digitised his mind. And it's in like robotic shells. And he's always looking to make like the perfect human to... To put his body into. Yeah. Very, um, very relatable. I, I don't know. What did you think of like... I guess the bunker where Armand Zoller is housed being blown up. Would you have liked well, to have he seen dies, more? Essentially. Yeah, would you have liked to have seen more Armand Zoller? Or they, no? I, they've got the easiest like way to bring him back, which is he could just say that he like uploaded himself to the internet before he got blown up or like escaped on a USB or something. Yeah. Like it's not hard to write him out of his death. Yeah, true. But I do think between this and the first bit of Avengers 2 where they clear out Hydra bases and come across uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, I think that was them sort of, we're done with Hydra. Now we've done that storyline, we're moving on. Yeah, because I think they've, they've, they're even done around that point in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Yeah, I think the Hydra... You do definitely... I guess because it's... There's never going to be as many films as there are comics, just because there are you know hundreds and thousands, millions. I don't of... know. Cut off one head, one more it'll appear. But it would make sense that that they sort of do one storyline or one villain, and they can retire it. Mm. Um, what did you think of Frank Grillo as? I just don't like Frank Grillo. Not a fan. Yeah, he um... just he just seems like the sort of person who would describe himself as a man's man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there was a TV series that he was in that just uh, was not interesting. It was like a, it was meant to be like a like a boxing or UFC like. Oh, drama. was it like? Oh yes, I like I, not, oh, I got it to it watch, called? but then I just I don't know I just was didn't seem interested. Yeah, he's playing uh, Brock Rumlow. Wait, that uh, Brock Rumlow? Yeah. Who, which uh, which name is okay? Which name is more ridiculous, Frank Grillo or Brock Rumlow? Brock Rumlow. But um, Frank he, Grillo is. So in the comics, um, he's like sort of super villain. Uh, crossbones. He's crossbones. As he is in the um, in Captain America: uh, Civil War. Yeah, and so he's like in. The, I mean, even in the in the comics, he's more of a he's he's a like hydra. A henchman. He, he's a hydra henchman. He's more of a henchman with this red skull though. Yeah, he's always I, been one for the red skull. I think he like gets with the red skull's daughter at some point. Sin. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I think I was seeing like something online where people were like, we want more uh, crossbows, he should be back in another film, like the cinematic version. I was thinking, no, he doesn't need to be. Can we just get Frank Grillo out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? He's just like, he's such, I feel like he's just very one note. Yeah. So look, I mean, overall, Good film. I, I really enjoyed this film. It is one of my favourite films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I look, uh, we've talked about a top three before, uh, top three before, and I, this occupies my top spot, uh, but it doesn't yours. I, it's, is it a number two or number three in your I list? I think it might be a number two or a number three. I'd have to look. I don't know, I think I'd have to watch Civil War again. I th- could, yeah, I was going to say, I think Civil War for you ranks above it, whereas I think this film is, is just better. Mm. I think Civil War has a lot of... It's a decent film, but has a lot of plot holes. Yeah. And I like that this film is so single-mindedly focused on Cap. 
and you know really his character development plus the cap black widow dynamic was a lot of fun yeah and i think that i personally feel like civil war squandered it and diluted black widow's character a little bit all right so now we're up to uh stan watch where we talk about stanley's cameo in the film we've watched uh so in this film he's a janitor He's a janitor. I think he's been a janitor a, a few, a few times. <laughs> so basically, what happens is um, Captain needs. You know what? I don't even understand why he needed a new uniform in one in this film. The one at the beginning. No, no, like no. I mean, like so. Okay, so he goes to the Smithsonian to steal his old uniform. Yes. But like, I don't and understand then... why he just didn't wear his Secret Avengers suit. I get the impression that was probably back, back shield. At shield. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh. Don't you just hate it? When he leaves clothes at work. Yes. Um, so yeah, Stanley comes across the mannequin that had in the Smithsonian that had... And, oh no, I'm going to get fired. Yeah, because Cap has stolen it. Which, ha ha ha, who cares? I'm very over Stanley cameos. Yes, I know. What is your As motto? Sans should be seen and not, not heard. heard. Yeah. Um, Alright, let's let's hit this, let's talk about the after, after credits goodies that we got this week. Yes, yeah, so what was it this week? Okay, so the first one... Uh, as we were um, talking about before, these are usually um, expanding the universe and the mid credits, and yeah. the end credits is usually comedy. either a com- a comedy or something to do with the actual story. Um, so th- this uh, mid credits uh, scene was we meet Baron von Strucker, another sort of Hydra bigwig, yes. and we of course meet Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Look, I gotta say. Baron Wolfgang von Strucker... Using his full name. Yes. Is like a big villain of Hydra in the comics. Yeah, he's and really supp- do shit in this. Yeah, like, and, and he, then he gets really... He gets killed off almost... Like within the first 15 minutes of well, Avengers 2. Well, I mean, he gets, he gets captured in the first 15 minutes of Avengers 2, but then gets killed off halfway through the film. Like by a, a picture or a cameo. Um, like, I would have mind seeing him as, like, you know, an overarching villain, but I guess that's the whole trying to get over, sh- there, over Hydra as a There villain. are a lot of Hydra villains. Yeah. Like, I, and emo- like, I feel like a lot of Cap's rogues gallery are either people in or associated with Hydra. Hydra mm. adjacent, if you will. So, yeah, um, we see to some sort of underground lab, and given that Hydra has been working behind the scenes of S.H.I.E.L.D., they've been testing... Or performing tests on people using Loki's staff from Avengers. But how would have they gotten? Oh wait, because Shield has Loki's staff. Okay. Exactly. I because I, when when I saw Loki's staff in the scene, I couldn't remember how they got it. Yeah. But okay, that makes sense. And All right, let's deal with the the one right at the end, which of course relates well, to this do, film. Well, obviously we didn't mention who they experimented on though. Oh, well, it's Scarlet Witch and. Quicksilver. Yeah, so two people who become the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. And um, for people who aren't su- super savvy with the comics, in the comics they're mutants, but of course here they make them as people who've gotten powers from experiments yeah. uh, because of course Marvel at this time didn't have the rights to the X-Men. X-Men. And, and now they the, do because they bought Fox. Yeah, but at that time they kind of did... Like there was some weird... There was some weird thing where Marvel could use Quicksilver and Skull, which because they were Avengers. Yes, there was an overlap there. Yeah. But they got rid of the mutant thing. Yeah. I don't know if they legally specifically couldn't use the word mutant or how that worked, but it would be weird if they were like, oh, by the way, there's mutants, but we can't really talk about them and there's only two of them. Like, it, what they did makes sense. Yeah. 
Um, All right, we're going to so, go to the, the last one now. The yeah, last which episode. is essentially Bucky looking at the Smithsonian and looking at his who he is. Yeah. His bio, essentially. Which is part of his recovery that, of course, is the sort of the centre of Captain America's Civil War. Yeah. And it very, I feel like in that way, this very much sets up that film. Yes. So it's almost like two mid-credits. Yeah, I, you're right. It's the first also end credit scene, which isn't a comedy one. But we've really only had one proper end credit scene because remember the Shwarma end credit scene was added in after yeah. the movie had been out for a little bit. I feel like that kind of felt like an afterthought, whereas mm. Thor, uh, The Dark World, feels like the first time where they're like, okay, this is what we're doing now. And then from then on, we got the two, the two stingers. Okay. All right. Shall we go into our final segment, which, of course, is called If You Liked This, Read This, where... We recommend uh, some comics that if you happen to like this movie, you'll probably like. Or in some of the weaker Marvel movies, uh, there'll be comics that we think do what the Marvel movies tried to do a bit better. Okay, well, I'm going to mention Ed Brubaker's run. Oh, you you have to, right? Yeah, it is the run. The run to read, and it's all about the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I mean, the Winter Soldier plays a huge role in that entire cap arc, and eventually, in his run, Bucky Barnes becomes Captain America. Yes. Um, is there any part of that run in particular you reckon people... Well, I feel like, like the whole run movie? needs to be read. Okay. For it. Yeah, I, I reckon... I reckon once Steve comes back as Captain America in Brubaker's run, I feel like, at that point, it got a bit weaker. But all the stuff pre that is excellent. I mean, like, all of the Brubaker run, I agree, is worth reading, but... The stuff before that is freaking excellent. I uh, look like you. Uh, my Marvel pick is the um, is yeah Ed Brubaker's run, uh, especially the Winter Soldier stuff, and also the comics he wrote around the time of the Civil War event called the Death of Captain America. Yeah, where uh, Cap gets killed. Um, do you have a non-Marvel book? I certainly do. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to suggest you go out and read a book called Velvet. It is written by our old pal Ed Brubaker. Illustrated by Steve Epting, who actually did a lot of the issues of Captain America with Brubaker for Marvel. Uh, so this book is uh, published by Image Comics, who do a lot of great stuff. And it's basically the premise of the... It's a spy story, and the premise is, what if like the Mrs. Moneypenny-style character from James Bond was actually a super spy? Mm. So this sort of character who everyone just thinks is a secretary at a, uh, at a CIA-style agency, but she's actually a retired super spy and after some stuff goes terribly wrong and she's framed for a crime uh for murder specifically she goes on the run and sort of has to get back into being a spy and i've heard it described as this is sort of the spy story that every baker wanted to tell with captain america but of course captain america sort of kept getting in the way Mm -hmm. and the fact that it was a superhero story limited what he could do and this sort of feels like him unchained to write a spy story and look i'm probably not his best work ever but it, it's really good and if you like the spy elements you should totally check it out so i've got a non-marvel book as well it's by matt kind um and it's called super spy and it is um 52 interwoven like short stories about like um the live like each story takes place uh, follows like the life of a spy during world war ii oh, wow. it's really good is this before mind management came out because that was a sort of breakout um, series this wasn't one it? was from 2007 so i'm yeah, not sure probably, probably before that yeah and there's also like another one like a sort of the lost dossiers which is sort of like a another book which okay. is some more stories and is well. that both written and illustrated by kint uh yes 
Ugh. Yeah, and you can buy that at most bookshops or comic book stores. Easy. Uh, well, look, before we go, uh, if you like what we do, uh, please, please, please give us a review on iTunes. We'd love those. Yeah, we would l- appreciate it very much. It helps other people find the show. Uh, you can also find us at geekofoz.com or Facebook slash geekofoz. We're also on Shaka and iTunes, and you can catch us on Twitter as well. Yeah, of course, at Geek of Oz for all of those. All right. Well, that's it for this week. All See right. you next time. See ya.